0: All right, you guys, welcome to Chi Alpha. Uh, I'm happy you guys are here. Y'all doing good? Yeah! Woo! Hey, who went to fall advance this last weekend? Yeah! All right. Hey, if you didn't go, that is OK. We are so happy that you're here tonight. It was awesome, though. Um, and I will address the uh, elephant in the room. Yes, I have a mustache, and it is. You can boo all you want. Hey, don't. you can't boo after this. Look, y'all. Christopher, what kicked off Missions Month, okay, we have Missions Month going on, and it's Mustaches for Missions. Yeah! Now look, I, it already happened today. Someone said, what in the world, why do you have a mustache? And I told them about Mustaches for Missions, and they said, that's really cool. It's a, it's a okay, anyways, ladies, um, Heather's idea was don't shave your armpits for missions, so... It's up to y'all. It's up to y'all. I leave that with you. Um, all right, guys. So I'm glad y'all are here. Uh, tonight, we are starting a new sermon series. Y'all pumped? Yeah. Cool. So last, last, the last series was the God Is series, which was pretty, cu- pretty cool, pretty fun. Um, and now we are starting a series on the life of Joseph. Okay. Yeah, Joseph. Okay, it'll come up shortly, I assume. Um, But yeah, so we're going to be talking about Joseph. Some of y'all are like, oh, cool, I love Joseph. And some of y'all might be like, I didn't even know this guy was in the Bible, right? Um, And we're talking about Joseph from the Old Testament, okay? And so... Um, Regardless of whether you know the story in and out or you've never heard it, we want to do something cool. We want to encourage you guys to read the story of Joseph along with us as we're going through this series, okay? Because, honestly, we're not going to have enough time to go into everything uh, just up here from the front, but we want you guys to read it. We just want you to talk about it in small group, write down your questions, write down the things the Lord is speaking to you, and do this with us. Is that something we can do? Cool. It's not a lot. It's only 12 chapters, which is really not that much. Um, So, tonight, I'm going to be giving y'all like a SparkNotes version of Joseph. Um, And what we're going to be talking about with Joseph's life is actually, uh, I think, one of the most important things you will ever ask yourself. The topic we're talking about tonight is something that every single one of us deals with on a daily basis— And none of us can get away from it. You can't escape this. If you've got a roommate, you deal with what we're talking about. If you've ever dated someone, you deal with what we're talking about tonight. If you've got parents, which you do, because you wouldn't be here, it's colored the way you've seen them. Every argument you've had with someone is laced with what we're talking about. Every compliment you've ever given, every insult you've ever dished out, every flattering word said finds its birth in what we're talking about tonight. This topic has and will continue to have the greatest influence on your life. It'll affect how you spend your free time, what you do with your life, the job that you decide to take, the friends you choose to be around, the way you live on a day-to-day basis. This topic determines the books that you read, the movies you watch, the shows you binge, the music you listen to, the videos you consume, the things you post on social media. And this topic we're talking about tonight not only has huge ramifications here and now, but actually has eternal ramifications. What are we talking about tonight? What could be this important? Tonight, we are talking about motive. Motive. Motive is the great divider of men. Look, y'all, motive is the thing that sets dead religion apart from abundant life. Motive is the thing that sets good deeds apart from righteous living. Right? Motive is the thing that will keep you up at night wondering, did that person say that because they love me or because they hate me? Because you don't know why they said what they said. Right? Our motives affect every aspect of our life in ways that we seldom don't realize. Motive is not just an action. It's the intent behind the action And motive is what ultimately separates us from looking like a Christian and actually walking with God. So tonight, we're going to be in Joseph's story. Like I said, I'm going to be giving just like a uh, spark notes of his life, all right? And we're going to be talking about motive. And as we talk about motive, the one question that I want before you guys this whole time, it'll be popping up on the screen over and over again, and it's this question. Why do I do the things I do? And who do I do them for? Why do I do the things I do? And who do I do them for? You know, that's a big question, right? Yeah. But we're going to have fun with it. So let's look at Joseph's life. All right? Um, again, hi, okay, his story, if you guys want to write it down, it's Genesis chapter 37. You can skip 38. It's, you can read it if you want. You'll, you'll know what I mean. That's enough. It's an interesting chapter of the Bible. And then 39 through 50. That's the life of Joseph, all right? So if you guys want to write that down, we're going to read it together. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm not going to put 12 chapters of the Bible on the screen. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, and I don't want to read for the next 20 minutes. Uh, but what I am going to do is I'm going to put key moments in Joseph's life. And they're going to have little scripture references, okay? So these are the key moments. So who was Joseph? Joseph. The first thing that we must know that has to, to, to color everything else of this story is that Joseph was a godly man whose faith in God never wavered. All right, so as for a story, Joseph was the 11th son of his father Jacob and the firstborn son of Jacob's first wife. Confusing, right? So in short, Jacob married Rachel because she was the love of his life but he also kind of got tricked into marrying her sister. Rachel couldn't conceive, so he decides to have a baby with her sister and both of their respective maids. Hey, I don't know. I don't think that's a great idea, but then the Lord blesses Rachel, and she's able to conceive, and she has her son, Joseph. He's the 11th chronological son of Jacob, right? So he's got 10 older brothers. Anyone else got a lot of older siblings? I think Samantha. Okay, there's a couple of us. Awesome. So you can imagine what happens, right? So Jacob loves Rachel. That's his his bride. That's who he wanted to marry. And now she has a son. So what does Joseph become? The favorite child. Not dad. (laughs) Good attempt. (laughs) Joseph becomes the favorite child. And I'm talking like mega- Favored. His dad gave him a rainbow-colored coat. Like that's intense. I I used to have one um, a long time ago. There's a Facebook picture of you. You can find it somewhere. But right, as the Bible actually says that Jacob loved Joseph so much that his brothers hated him. His ten older brothers hated him and couldn't even say a nice thing about him. They couldn't even fake it, right? These guys hated him. And if you know anything about like the fa- if you weren't the favored child or if you weren't like the favored student, right? Then you know what I'm saying when you just like, ah, oh, I can't stand them. Like, they get everything. And then on top of that, they're really gifted or they're really good at something or they, they get some kind of special $10,000 lottery and you're like, like, you're already everyone's favorite. Like, what the heck, right? Joseph kind of does this. So Joseph, Joseph loves God and he pursues God and God starts to give him dreams. And in these dreams... His brothers and his dad are bowing down to him. And so in his naivety and youth, he says, I'm gonna tell him <laughs> What happens? They get pissed. And they're like, Uh-uh, like, no, we are not like we are not bowing down to you. How dare you say that? And so they've had enough and they decide it's time to get rid of rid of Joseph. This is dumb. And so one day they're out in the field away from their father, and they grab Joseph and they throw him in a well. And then for the next hour or so they decide should we kill him? We should kill him. We should do that. And then one was like, no, we shouldn't. Let's just sell him into slavery because that's what good old old brothers do, right? And so, off goes their little brother in a cart full of slaves to a land he doesn't know, and they've wiped their hands of Joseph. That stinks, right? But, at this point, we've got to remember that Joseph is a godly man, and even in spite of his brother's betrayal, his faith in God doesn't waiver. Now, after Joseph sold into slavery, he ends up in Egypt in a man named Potiphar's house. And Potiphar is the, royal, like the captain of the royal guard of the pharaoh, right? And so he's there as a slave, but God is with him. And God blesses everything that Joseph's hands touches. And so, soon enough, Potiphar says, hey, I want you to be second in command of, of my entire household. Right? You're second in charge. You can have everything except my wife. Understandable. But Joseph was a young attractive man and the Bible says he was so attractive that Potiphar was like looking for a little bit of like alone time, right? She she liked Joseph a little bit much. And so one day Potiphar goes to try and sleep with Joseph. And he says, "No, I love my master too much." And so he tries to run away. But as he's running away, She grabs his shirt, his outer shirt, and rips it off. All right? And he just runs because he's like, no, I'm not doing this. And so Potiphar's wife, being offended, turns around and says, hey, Joseph tried to rape me. There was no trial. There were no questions. They just threw Joseph in a prison cell to rot for the rest of his life. That Sucks. But again, we've got to remember, Joseph was a godly man, and even though he was wrongly accused, he did not, his faith in God did not waver. Now, while in prison, God blesses his hand again. And all of a sudden, the warden comes and says, hey, I want you to be second in command of the prison. You have more authority than my guards. It's nuts. And then... In his time in prison, he befriends these two guys that used to be servants of Pharaoh, right? And they've done something, and they get in trouble. And long story short, they have these dreams, and they say, what do we do? And he says, I know God, and he'll tell you. And God ends up interpreting these dreams for these two men. And one of them ends up, because of Joseph interpreting his dream, figures out he's going to be restored to serve the king. And he ends up doing that. And as he's leaving prison, he says, Joseph, don't you worry, man. I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to talk to Pharaoh for you. I'm going to get you out. But does his friend end up talking to Pharaoh? No. And Joseph ends up staying for two more years in prison. But remember, Joseph is a godly man, and even though he was forgotten by his friends and left in prison, his faith in God never wavered. All right, now things turn around for Joseph here. They get a little bit better, all right? So one day, Pharaoh has this dream, and he has no idea what to do with it. And he calls all his magicians and all his wise men, and not a single one of them has anything to say of it. And then that man who was in prison with Joseph says, Oh, my friend, he can help you. And so Joseph comes, and he interprets the dream for Pharaoh, and he gets it right. And Pharaoh is so impressed and so just, yeah, like, overcome with gratitude that he says, Joseph, I want you to be second in command of all of Egypt. Kind of a trend, right? <laughs> second in command, second in command. And he says, I want you to be in charge of what was the greatest country, the most powerful country at that time, right? And so Joseph is in charge. But remember, he's a godly man. And even though he's, his life is looking better, right? Even though he has such great power, and all these temptations to to give in to the culture around him, his faith in God doesn't waver. Now, the years pass. Joseph is in charge. He's doing an incredible job leading. And then all of a sudden, this famine comes, right? And it's so bad that not just Egypt, but everyone in the surrounding countries has, like, no food. All right? And one of those countries is Joseph's homeland. And lo and behold, who shows up at his doorstep Asking for food, bowing down, but his older brothers, right? What would you guys do if your murderous older brothers showed up in front of you? Would, you? would you be like, I can kill them. I'm the second most powerful person in the world. I can sell them into slavery. Do what they did to me. But what does Joseph do? He reveals himself to his brothers because they didn't know it was him at first. And then he jumps on them with tears in his eyes He says, I forgive you. And why does he forgive his brothers? Because Joseph is a godly man, and even when standing face to face with with his would-be murderous brothers, his faith in God doesn't waver. And then as the story comes to a close, Joseph ends up bringing his father back to Egypt, right? And he says, we're going to take care of you. And his father gets to see Joseph's kids, right? His grandkids. And then... As the story closes in Genesis 50, we see that, J- that uh, Jacob passes away. And Joseph's older brothers are like, well, now that dad's dead, maybe he's like going to get mad at us. Like, Maybe he didn't really forgive us. And Joseph hears it, and he says to them, he puts their fear to and he says, you intended evil against me, but God intended it for good. You intended evil, but God intended it for good. Joseph was a godly man. And even when the evil actions of his brothers changed the entire course of his life, his faith in God did not waver. Now as we look at like, the spark notes of Joseph's life, I don't know if you all have the question I have, but every time I read Joseph's story, I just think this, what in the world could have compelled him and motivated him to live the way he did in the face of everything that happened to him? Why did he do what he did? Why did he live the way he lived? Why did he respond the way he responded? And who was it all for? Now, the answer might seem evident. You might be like, yeah, Sean, God. Yes, God. But the evident answer then begs a greater question for each of us tonight. Why do you do what you do? And who do you do it for? Is it for the Lord, or is it for something else? I believe there are three questions. I'm sure there's more, but these are the three I came up with. Three questions we can draw from Joseph's life that has huge implications on our life today. And the first question is this. What is my motive for the dreams and aspirations I have for my life? Y'all, Joseph was a dreamer, right? This dude was a dreamer. As a young man, he had dreams for what his life could be, right? Uh, 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 not being arrogant, but he's like, these are literally the dreams I have for my life. And then as an older man, he had dreams not only for his own life, but for the lives of an entire nation and surrounding nations. And then he made those dreams reality. As a young man, he sought the face of God, right? He he took the teachings of his father to heart. He did everything he could. He excelled at everything he could. And then as an older man, when he was given the best education in the entire world, an Egyptian education, he took that to heart, right? And he made sure, he ended up having one of the best uh, resumes of leading a country. But what was his motive for his dreams and aspirations? What was his motive for taking such high roles of authority, like second in command of Potiphar's house in a prison in all of Egypt? Did he do it for his own glory? Was it so he could make a name for himself? Was it so he could be set with money and power and security for the rest of his life? Or was his motive for someone and something greater? And what about us? What is our motive for our dreams and aspirations? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why am I in the major that I'm in? Some of y'all probably, Nick, where you at? Today he was telling me about his stuff. I think there's times when you're like, why, am I, why did I do this, right? But really, why did I choose this major? Why am I choosing the career path that I've chosen? Why do I want to be a doctor or a businessman or an engineer? Is it for me to be comfortable and secure? Is it so I can have money to spare and a three bedroom house and 2.5 kids and a white picket fence? That's the average, it doesn't make sense. The average American has 2.5 kids. I make what that we will. Or what about your dreams? The things you dream for your life, right? What about your dreams for that dream car or the dream house? Your dreams to be known by everyone, to walk in a room and people are like, dude, what's up? You know, like your dreams of being on the worship team or your dreams of being a leader or your dreams of having influence and weight in people's lives or your dream of being famous. Is your motive so that people will see you and your talents and recognize you and pat you on the back and say, man, you're so talented. Wow, I want to be like you. Or is your motive for something and someone greater? Something beyond you, for God and his glory? The second question we can ask from Joseph's life is, what, what is my motive for the friends I surround myself with? Joseph may not have... Uh, sorry. Joseph didn't have a lot of options for friends, right? He was sold into slavery, thrown into prison, made the king's, like. The people that he was friends with were the people that were around him, but he still had options of whether he was going to be their friends, right? He may not have people around him that looked like him or talked like him or thought like him, but he chose to befriend the people that were with him. He could have look, he could have looked at his situation, and he could have just said, "I'm done with people. Everyone so far has just messed up my life. I'm done. I'm living for number one, right? But no. He doesn't live for number one. He doesn't even live for the highest good of those other people. He says, I'm gonna live for God and his highest good. He loved Potiphar and respected him enough to protect his master's marriage. He loved his fellow prisoners and spoke words of life over them. He loved Pharaoh and was a friend to Pharaoh when everyone else would have just seen him as a ruler. Joseph's motive For his friends and acquaintances wasn't motivated by hurt or bitterness of what had happened in his life, but rather God and his highest good and his life and their life. What about us? What about you? Why do you choose the friends you hang out with and surround yourself with? Do you surround yourself with people that will help you get further along in life? Do you surround yourself with people that you feel superior to so you can feel better about yourself? Do you surround yourself with people that are expendable and you just get what you want out of them and then you move on? Or have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why why, why do I have some of these friends? Like, how many of y'all have got a friend from, like, kindergarten? And you know they're just not a good influence. You don't have to raise your hand. Brandon did, thank you. I see that hand. Y'all... There are so many of us that have friends from high school or from kindergarten, and we say, what do we say? We say, well, if I'm not their friend, they'll be mad at me. They'll be so offended with me. But y'all, that is not loving them for their highest good. That is loving your own highest good. I don't want want to be. They're going to be mad at me. I'm not saying you can't be their friends, but I'm asking, is your motive... For being their friends selfish? You just don't want to feel bad? Or is it because you actually care about them and you want them to know Jesus? What about your pursuit to have influence in someone's life? All of us want to have weight in people's lives. All of us want to be able to speak into people's lives. But do you want that just so you can feel good? Or do you even want that just for their, their good? Are your friends or, sorry, or, are you friends with people for someone and something greater? The third question we can ask, and I think possibly the most important one, is what is my motive for serving God or not serving God? I said it over and over again. Joseph is a godly man whose faith in God never wavered. And when it came to his motive for serving God, what did he say? My brothers, you intended it for evil, but God... Intended it for good his motive for serving God had no personal intent to it He didn't bring in bitterness. He didn't bring in hurt. He didn't bring in pain He wasn't looking out for number one He wasn't trying to make his life easy and comfortable He said in serving God even evil things that happen to me are for his good and i'm okay with that Joseph's motive for serving God throughout his entire life wasn't because God made his life easy or comfortable or walk in the park His life was anything But easy and comfortable, even when he was second in command. And yet Joseph counted his life the greatest privilege to be used by God for God's glory. So what about us? Why do you serve God? Do you serve God to be remembered by men or to be remembered by him? If all of the world were to forget your name, if your gravestone said, here lies Seth, his life was a waste of oxygen. I don't believe that. But if that's what your gravestone said, would you be content to know that God was the only one who knew your name? Are you willing to be an etcetera, a nobody, a forgotten for Jesus? Or does your name have to be plastered before the world? Or what about if you don't want to serve God? Right? Some of us are like, I don't really want to serve God. Why? What's your motive for that? Is it because you just are lazy, apathetic? Is it because you don't want to be bothered by the things of God because you know what they entail? Do you hesitate to serve God because you know it means you'll have to take responsibility, but internally you just say, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to be comfortable. Why do we serve God or not serve God? And who are we doing it for? For us or for him? I know I've asked this question a hundred different ways. But friends, this is one of the most important questions you could ever ask yourself. And you won't just answer it once, but as your heart, right, the, the Bible says your heart is deceitful and wicked. No one can trust it. It's gonna happen. You're gonna have to test your motives again. And we say, why do I do the things I do And who do I do it for? Do I do things for myself or for others or for God? And as you can likely infer, again, our motive should be God. That's what I'm getting at. We know Joseph's motive was for the Lord, right? And for God's highest good. And we know that ours should be for God. But it still begs the biggest question to me, why? Why choose God? Why should any of us choose God as the motive for our own lives? Why not our own happiness? Why not our own comfort? Why not our own security? Why not be motivated to help and love other people? Aren't those good things? Isn't it important to take care of ourselves and to love our neighbors? Why is God the best choice? I believe Joseph knew the truth, and that's what kept him going. And I believe the Lord will reveal that truth to you tonight. You see, the reason God was the highest motive of Joseph's life, and why it should be our motive for living our life is because only God can bear the weight of what we choose to live our lives for. Only God can bear the weight of what we choose to live our lives for. Living for your own happiness and security and comfort cannot and will not sustain you. We were not made to live for ourselves only. Living for the good of others, though not a bad thing, cannot and will not sustain you. Living for a good cause, the betterment of life, for any good and right thing, but devoid of Jesus, cannot and will not sustain you. I think E. Stanley Jones says it best. He says, when you live a life of pleasing yourself, you will not like the self you are pleasing. If you won't live with God, You can't live with yourself. Y'all, I've been there. Even as a a follower of Jesus, where I start living for myself, I'm like, man, I don't don't like this. I don't like who I am. I don't want to live with who I am. But it goes back to because I'm trying to please myself. We were not made to live for ourselves. Neither were we made to even live for others. You see, if you live for yourself, you end up destroying yourself. If you live for others, you'll end up destroying them because they cannot bear the weight. No person can bear that weight. Only Jesus can bear that weight. E. Stanley Jones says again in a conversation he had at a conference, he says, a woman walked up to him and asked, you taught me how to be happy with Christ, but how can I be happy without him? I told her, I'm sorry, I don't believe there's another way. And as I thought about her question later, I looked back over the past 50 years of my life with God, and I could find no memory of a single person who was authentically happy apart from Christ. I have seen people momentarily happy through happenings, like getting a gift or seeing a friend, but never people who are happy not merely on account of, but also in spite of good things happening to them. Many are happy when good things happen, but it is only the Christian faith that can have happiness in spite of bad things. It is only in putting Christ first that this this could ever be produced. If we live for ourselves, we'll crumble in our fingertips. If we live for others, they'll crumble before us. But if we live for God, if we live for a cause and a person beyond us and beyond others, then we can put our feet on solid ground that will not crumble and will not move. Only he can bear the weight of what you live your life for. God is the only one. He's the only one that can bear the weight of our worship. If we live for ourselves, we crumble. If we live for people, we crumble. If we live for God, he sustains us. And only him, only Jesus. Joseph knew this. Joseph knew that to live for God was the best thing for his life and everyone else's. If he lived for him, he would have been a bitter, angry man who probably would have slept with Potiphar. If he lived for others, he would have realized, man, I'm gonna be let down. My brothers let me down. Everyone let me down. But he said, no. God will not let me down. He can bear the weight of what I live for. And my friends, we can have exactly what Joseph had tonight. Why do I do the things I do, and who do I do them for? That is one of the most important questions you will ever ask yourself. And your answer to that question will have repercussions not only now, but in eternity. The band can go ahead and come up. And as the band's coming up, I believe where the Lord wants to direct us in response tonight is to honestly answer that question. Why do I do what I do? And who do I do it for? And if that's a broad, if that question's like up here, then bring it down to maybe the three questions about why, what, are your, what is your motive for your aspirations or for your friends or for serving God? Or maybe even more specific, something like why do, why do I want to date this person? Why do I want to get married? Why do, I, why do I spend my free time the way I do? Why do I want to be a leader? Why do I small group lead? Why do I want to be a missionary? And who am I doing this for? There's a myriad of questions you guys can ask yourself, but the key thing is not just asking the question, but it's honestly answering it. Many of you guys have notebooks, you have Bibles, there are pieces of paper, like on the prayer cards. And if you don't have something physical, you have a phone. And what I believe the Lord wants us to do is not just answer this question in our head, but actually write it out. Why do I do what I do? Do I do it for me? Do I do it for others, people-pleasing? Or do I do it for Jesus? And guys, I hope it goes without saying, but you got to be honest with yourself and with God. I'm not asking you guys to go publish your answers. You don't, you're not, you're not, I'm not asking you to share this with anyone. But y'all, God is no man that he can be lied to. Look, he knows your motives. He already knows them. So don't, don't be dishonest. Because the only person you'd be dishonest with is yourself. The Lord wants to have freedom in your life. And tonight, if you're looking at these questions and you're searching your heart during worship and you're like, Lord, I really do believe that my motive is right and I'm walking with you, then what I want you to do during worship is I want you to go wild. I want you to praise Jesus like you've never praised him before. But if you're like me and you really struggle with this, constantly dethroning Jesus and saying, I'm, I'm getting on the throne." So what I want you to do tonight is when you pray, you say, Lord, I know my motives aren't right, and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me, and would you transform my motives? Y'all, there's not been, I'll tell you something, there's not been a a single time that I have come up and spoken where I have not wrestled with, am I just doing this because I want y'all to think I'm a great speaker? Or am I doing this because I want y'all to come up and say, wow. I struggle with this, but I realize if that's what I live for, y'all, I'm going to be so destroyed if none of y'all come up and say anything. Or if I'm doing this so that you guys can benefit, but I'm not doing it for Jesus, then really all I'm giving you is a therapy session. But if I do this for Jesus, which every time I come up here, I say, Jesus, change my motive. I know my own heart. Would you change it? And he does. So tonight, guys, I want to end with one more quote by my friend E. Stanley Jones. He says, Here is Jesus saying something that is breathtaking. Try all the ways of life you may, and in the end you will find that nothing comes out as solid reality but this way of mine. Everything else is sand. This way is rock. Don't argue it. Try it. Put it under life and see what life will do to it, and you will find that living for God as your highest motive will be the only one to approve it. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be honest tonight. God, that is all that I'm asking. Spirit of God, I pray that one of these questions has connected, has gone to our hearts, God, and that we would stand humbly and honest before you. And then, God, after whatever that answer is, we would say, transform us. Let us set our eyes on you God, we love you and we trust you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would do what only you can do.